0: This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast, bringing you engaging conversations with influential members of the community that you need to know. This episode is brought to you by Mill Creek Financial Consultants. At Mill Creek Financial Consultants, we offer more than just financial planning. We develop a relationship with you that helps you avoid common missteps, make confident decisions, and put your assets to work so you can enjoy the peace of mind that comes from financial security. Don't delay your important financial decisions any longer. Schedule a time to meet with our Mill Creek Financial Advisors and begin the journey journey towards achieving your dreams by visiting Mill Creek financial consultants.com. No investment strategy can ensure peace of mind assure profit or guarantee against loss securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS member FINRA SIPC. Well, hello, everybody. This is Sue Dick with the greater Tallahassee chamber of commerce. Uh, very happy to be here with Marco Paredes with Stearns Weaver Miller law firm. We are uh, going to talk about a couple really important items that are facing us. In the legislative um, session that's going on—it's almost wrapping up. And Marco, thanks for being here with us today.
1: Sure, Sue. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, I think there's um, there's a lot going on, obviously, with legislatively. But something that we've also learned is that we've got tremendous talent right here in our own backyard. So, Marco, you're here. Uh, mm-hmm. Christina, your wife, and your two beautiful boys. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, because again. We've had a chance to work closer together now in the last couple of years, and just mm-hmm. thrilled that you're here in Tallahassee as well. So tell us a little bit about sure. you. Sure.
1: Um, so, hi everybody. I'm Marco Paredes. Uh, I'm originally from Miami. was so born and raised in Miami, Sue, as as, mm-hmm. as you as well. Um, I went to I went to school there. Went to undergrad. Went to University of Miami. Uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, and then I uh, I went to law school in D.C. I went to Georgetown. Came back was working as an attorney for about a year uh, with Miami-Dade County and kind of took a detour into politics, Uh, started working for a county commissioner down there as her legislative aide. And that was really my first foray. And then kind of left that role and worked for a a hospital as a government affairs director. And that led me to my next position that brought me here to Tallahassee in 2006. Um, I became the senior manager for state government affairs uh, for Amgen biotech company, and they needed me to move to a state capital. So I had a whole bunch of states in the Southeast that I could move to. And I'd been coming to Tallahassee and I said, you know what, I want to change the pace. So I moved to Tallahassee in 06, met Christina soon after. Uh, and I've been very happy and blessed to be here in Tallahassee. So, um, you know, as you said, I've got two boys, Xavier and Dominic. Uh, and we, you know, love Tallahassee. Um, you know, Christina working for OEV as long as she did and for the county. Um, you know, Tallahassee was a big part of our family. We've, We've built a life here. We've got friends. Um, we've got the things that we do on the weekends, just like everybody else, but we just love being here in Tallahassee. Um, what What do I like to do when I'm not at the Capitol or at Sterns? Uh, so I've got two kind of big um, hobbies that I'm, I really do. So uh, one is F3. Um, so if nobody's familiar with F3, uh, F3 stands for uh, Fitness Fellowship and Faith. It's a men's workout group. It's free and we meet outdoors and We've got several different workouts here in Tallahassee that um, I'm a part of. I'm on the leadership team of F3. Uh, and then through F3, I kind of learned about rucking. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little about it, about <laughs> it earlier. Uh, so rucking, if no one's familiar, it's a walking with a weighted backpack. Uh, so there's a company out of Jacksonville Beach called Go Ruck. They do these challenges that are led by uh, special forces, ex-special forces soldiers. And I actually just did one in March um, uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, oh, wow. uh, called the Bragg Heavy Tough Basics. So I did... A twenty-four hour event, which was the heavy; a twelve-hour event, the tough, and then the basic, which was four. Um, so, uh, and I did that back to back to back. So, I, I really do enjoy the endurance of that. Uh, and I, I was telling Samantha earlier that I just love that it pushes me beyond, um, you know, the capabilities that I thought were that I thought I had. So, it just it, it pushes me physically and mentally, and I, I bring that back to you know, my my family and I bring that to my work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So those are probably the two things that uh, really stand out, the things that I like to do.
0: Well, and and I think, you know, thank you for sharing because I think sometimes we we get so busy caught up in our day. Mm -hmm. um, And I think all of us, especially post-COVID, are really realizing it's just how we go through life's a little bit different. So I think you probably um, got some curiosity up and going. (laughs) Uh, At the end of the podcast, we'll let people know how they can reach out to you on – either the information you're about to share with us or finding out a little bit more about that because it is so important. Sure. It's, it's a work-life balance that, that we all need to make sure we take a moment to enjoy. Well, you you touched on, and I, I want to also highlight, if we can, you you reference it as Stern, so I want to make mm-hmm. sure. Really impressive, Reggie Boutier, partner with Stern's Weaver Miller, um, past chairman of the chamber. Um, I think there's um, there's something going on in that um Firm, that law firm because so many dynamic individuals, Kelly, mm-hmm. um, working there as well. But just maybe just real briefly talk about the the law firm and the impact and really how it's grown and, and it really does matter because it's a statement to the amount of work that is being done and that you're here in Tallahassee and that's important for us.
1: Sure, I, and I would agree with everything you said. Um, so I've never worked at a law firm before Stearns. Uh, you know, my career was really the, more the lobbyist role, and I've worked in-house in companies, or I worked um, uh, last couple years, uh, previously uh, for Department of Health as legislative affairs director. So I had no idea what to expect at a law firm, but if I had to, if I had to say what, um, you know, one word that describes a firm, it's collaborative. Um, so even though I am based in Tallahassee, I work with attorneys in my Miami office, my Tampa office, Fort Lauderdale, um, and then just down the hall uh, in our office here in Tallahassee. So uh, unlike most kind of big firms that have more than one office, um, I collaborate with all of our attorneys and it's all based around the client. We really service the client. Uh, A client may come in as a labor and employment client, but while they're at Stearns, they may need help uh, for various other practices, including the practice that I lead, Government affairs. And the attorneys there are just phenomenal at at making those connections mm-hmm. and bringing us into service to clients. So, uh, we're um, uh, we're probably now at 150 attorneys statewide. We've got five offices: Miami, Coral Gables, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, and then Tallahassee. The Tallahassee office has grown since I joined. I joined in August of 2019. We had nine attorneys. We're now currently at 25. Yeah. So, even through the pandemic, um, you know our leadership. Um, let everybody know. We see a lot of growth and a lot of potential, even with the pandemic, and we're not going to let staff go. We're actually going to increase. So as most law firms around the state were reducing staff, we increased staff. And we had some of our best years financially um, during the pandemic and after. So uh, we just continue to grow. All our offices are growing. um, And it's a full service firm. We do everything from litigation, corporate, labor and employment, land development, which Reggie Mm -hmm. leads. Uh, I myself lead our government affairs practice, so uh, my role is kind of unique in the firm. They, they didn't want to grow necessarily a lobbyist shop like you see at most law firms or like most lobbyists firms here. What they wanted was someone that was in-house, was comfortable being in-house, which I, I've done in the past, and represent the clients. So if a client needed uh, some kind of change of state law, if they needed to connect with a state agency or the governor's officer, anything like that. Um, they just come to me and they're already a client of the firms and, you know, I engage on the issue that they have. So uh, I've I've very much enjoyed so far my time at the firm. Um, And as you said, it gives me an opportunity to, you know, work with you and and your team here at at the chamber on a lot of local issues Mm -hmm. as well. So I can't say enough about the firm, but it's, it's just, it's, it's an awesome firm.
0: Well, and, and I think we've benefited from that. You, you alluded to it. Um, you have given up your time in serving on our Business Advocacy Committee, which is a committee that's chaired by Rob Clark, our chair-elect of the chamber. Uh, and part of that committee is obviously we're there to advocate for our local businesses, and there are several several issues, items that we're following, and we're going to touch on one of them now because there's a, a, a bill that was actually signed and, and moving forward, and it's the Live Local Act. And our listeners should want to know about this because it really is – addressing, and, and I would say in a language, really attacking the issue of workforce housing. And it, it's something that we all, even locally, that we're looking at um, with regards to what are some of the solutions for our workforce and making sure that our employees can live in the neighborhoods where they work uh, and, and also make sure we're retained. So if you can, maybe just um, hopefully everybody will learn this terminology, the Live Local Act, maybe just mm-hmm. give a high level summary as to what it is and why we would why it's important and then what what some of the moving forward timeframes are around it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, Yeah. So Senate Bill 102, the Live Local Act uh, was passed pretty early on and signed by the governor. Uh, It'll become law July 1st. So that I think right off the top of the bat is the first big date that everyone should just be aware of July 1st. Um, But, you know, I've been lobbying probably about 18 years. And in the past, affordable housing has really been seen as a resource issue. So it was, a, and and you've probably seen some of these these battles that happen in the legislature with um, funding being taken out of um, you know the different programs for affordable housing at the state level. Well, while the, the the bill does increase funding for some of those affordable housing programs, what it does is it also increases some of the policies that are going to support uh, new developments for workforce housing. That that's a that's a key term that I think a lot of people need to be aware of is workforce housing. So in the past, affordable housing has kind of been seen as Section Eight housing, other types of housing for very you know low or extremely low income um, uh, uh, residents. But the term workforce housing really gets to um, different income brackets that are in the law, and the idea is, just as you said, it's to allow for the workforce to live close to where they work, um, not uh, and this I think you see this more in bigger cities where people will work. In the downtown areas, but they live way, way out because that's all they can afford. So, so the idea is to encourage new workforce housing developments. Uh, So, some of the things in in the law, the way I like to think about this, it's a pretty long bill. So, um, you mean you you can look (laughs) it up, but it's pretty long. So, I I try to break it down just very in, in buckets. So, the first bucket is kind of the funding bucket. There's a lot of funding from the state into the various affordable housing programs that they already have so um, you've got the state housing initiatives partnership that's the ship program you also have the state apartment incentive loan program the sale program those are the your two big affordable housing uh programs in the state and there's over 500 million dollars that's going into those programs so again there's been an increase almost every year to those programs and you're getting immediately 500 million dollars that are going into that into that program Um, it's also going to redirect a lot of the documentary stamp Ah, uh, tax revenue that comes into the state normally right now it goes into just a big pot of general revenue that the that the legislature uses to craft their budget. That's not going directly into the sale program. So on top of the five hundred million dollar sale is getting this extra bit of funding from doc stamps uh, revenue. And you know you use doc stamps when you know when you're in real estate transactions, and there's a ton of real estate real estate transactions in our state. Um, there's several other incentives on the funding side. Um, let me move now to kind of what the private sector you know gets out of the bill. Um, so they do create a corporate tax donation program. So um, a lot of our, a lot of companies that are based here in Florida have to pay corporate income tax. You can also make a donation uh, to offset some of those taxes into various programs that are created by the state. Well, this one, you would offset some of your taxes by paying into uh, a fund that goes to sale. So again, Sale is a has been a kind of a key focus of receiving a lot of funding, and they're going to get more funding out of that. Uh, the other thing I think the the key thing of the bill is the property tax exemptions. So there's three property tax exemptions that were created. Uh, I think the legislature saw that in order to spur new development in the state uh, for affordable housing, um, something that immediately they could do at the state level, and then give an option to the local governments is. Uh, an exemption for property taxes. Uh, you know, property taxes. You know, can usually be, depending on the size of the development. Um, you know, a pretty hefty cost for developers and owners. Um, and I think the legislature recognized that that's something they can do immediately. Uh, so that there's there's three that were created. The first one is for land owned by nonprofit entities. So if your nonprofits own land, under certain requirements, they have to have a 99 year uh, lease for the purposes of affordable housing, but uh, if you have nonprofit entities that have land, and they want to build af- uh, affordable workforce housing, they will get that property tax exemption. Uh, the next one is really the, the the really the big one here is the missing middle property tax exemption, and that's for new or recently constructed and rehabilitated developments. Uh, so that one um, has a that some of those uh, income uh, levels that I talked about earlier. So if if at least seventy percent, seventy units of your development are for affordable housing, and you're targeting those income brackets, then you would get um, seventy to one hundred percent of your property tax exempted. Um, now, the local option one is one that I think um, a lot of communities around the state are going to be looking at come July first. Um, so this is the local option. So this allows uh, your municipalities and your counties to provide again, a 75 to 100% uh, property tax exemption for affordable workforce housing. However, it's an option. So in order for the local government to, um, to take advantage of the local option, they need to pass an ordinance. So I think there's an opportunity for the business community in uh, the different areas in the state to be an advocate for affordable workforce housing in talking to their local governments uh, about this specific property tax exemption.
0: Well, when you talk about the local government side of things, um, so for our for our city government, so how do you, how can we see this translate quickly for our community to make sure we take most advantage of this?
1: So education, I think, is absolutely where it starts. Um, you know, that's a lot of what I do is when I first start out on, on an issue um, at the Capitol, it starts with education. You have to educate who I am, who my client is, and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's no different than with the city government. I think we need to educate them on this new bill, what's in it. I mean, I think of this bill as a toolbox for local governments. And they need to be aware of the tools that they have uh, and how they can implement them. Because what I've heard from some attorneys in in our office, um, is, and um, Nicole Nugenbauer, who is, mm-hmm. an attorney, or is an attorney in our Tampa office, mm-hmm. she was at the BA, last BAC meeting, is that a lot of um, staff at the local level are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed already. And then now they've got this new bill with new tools for them to use for affordable housing, but they're not even focused really on it. So I think it's incumbent on the business community to educate. And then once you educate, advocate. Um, Talk to them about, well, you have a local option here that's available. All we need to do is let's work together to get an ordinance on the books and get some development in the community for affordable housing.
0: And with this fall, I mean, we, we have the unique situation with a city and a county. Does this fall squarely in the city, or does it roll over into the county as well?
1: It's, it, it would, it, it's, it's for both. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. Yeah, it's for both.
0: Okay. Well, and I think, you know, the uni- uniqueness of it'll be interesting to see what happens for us. Obviously, this is something very, very important. We That's why the Chamber's focused on this. And then to watch what happens on the neighboring counties around us mm-hmm. and the right. opportunities. Well, if people want a little bit more information, you know, first, Marco, thank you so much. I know you're really, this is a busy time of the year for you. And you are also, as I stated earlier, at our BAC meetings, giving of mm-hmm. your time and your and your expertise. And for that, we'll be a better community. So thank, well, thank you, you for that. Uh, if individuals want more information, what's the best way that they can get in touch and, and kind of tap on your on your professional? Sure. Employee?
1: Um They can, uh, several ways, Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Marco Paredes, or uh, just send me an email, mparedes, P-A-R-E-D-E-S, at StearnsWeaverMiller, StearnsWeaver.com. Sorry about that. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, Marco, thanks so much. Um, We really appreciate it. And we'll stay, and I know you're going to be at our committee, but maybe we get through this and, and come back and do an update once some of those deadlines, especially July deadlines, comes forward. But really appreciate your time, and thank you so much.
1: Sure. Thanks for the invite, Sue. Appreciate it.